Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. For yours. Hello and welcome back to your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto news topics and do the deep diving that you don't have the time to do. I'm your host, Abdullah Nassif, and better known as Abs, and I'm here with my two best buddies in the whole wide world, Johnny Crypto and Mario. So why don't you introduce yourselves real quick? Good morning, everybody. My name is Mario, aka The No Defender, and it's a real pleasure to be here again today with my two brothers alike. Beautiful. Good morning, everybody. My name is Johnny Crypto with a K, and I hope you're all having a good day. And it is certainly always a great day when you're hanging out with your two best or crypto buddies. So good morning. Happy to see you guys. How's everybody doing? Good. Happy to see you too, Johnny. So we got some awesome stuff for you guys today. As you can tell, there's tons of Russia news. There's tons of Bitcoin news. Everyone's worried about the market. But we're going to take you through and show you how to stay level-headed, stay calm, and really understand what's about to take place if we do go to war. And what's going to take place if we don't? So let's get right into this. Here's our first article. So Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies sink on the mounting, te- mounting tensions in the Russia-Ukraine. Bitcoin sank as low as $36,000 Tuesday morning. And the analysis was attributed to the drop in escalating tensions between Russia and Ukraine. Yeah. Russian President, I'm just going to finish here. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Monday ordered troops into two breakaway regions in eastern Ukraine moments after declaring them as independent. This is massive. Mario, do you want to chime in? Yeah, I mean, this is getting a lot of attention recently. And I know that there's a lot of people that are extremely skeptical and, and kind of afraid. I mean, for people that are exposed to, to crypto or or any kind of investments, for that matter. I mean, war is something that's going to scare people. And I personally... I. I'll be honest, I, I don't pay too much attention to it. And I know it's relevant and I know that it's important, but I also know that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that we don't know. And I just try not to pay too much attention to it and kind of continue with my thesis and, and what I believe in. So yeah, that's just me. Yep. And I think a lot of people are concerned with how can they hedge against this? Like if if we're about to go into a recession or if we're about to go into a war, how can they take advantage and put themselves in the right situation? And the case for Bitcoin as sort of a digital gold has broken down as more institutional investors have started to trade it. And the cryptocurrency is becoming more closely aligned with the fluctuations of traditional markets. I tend to disagree with this. I'm actually, I still believe that Bitcoin is a great hedge against inflation. And the fact that we've experienced the price appreciation we did over the past year is a perfect example of that. I mean, we went at the end of 2020, in September of 2020, Bitcoin was $9,000. By April of 2021, we were sitting above $65,000. If that's not some form of a hedge against inflation, I really don't know what is. Johnny, do you want to chime in here? Yeah. So, you know, at times like this, when there's uncertainty, investors usually want to flock to areas where they feel their money can be safe. Right. And so this is actually going to be a good test to see, uh, in my opinion, anyway, if Bitcoin really is a true digital gold, right? These are the times when there's fear, there's uncertainty. Um, people don't like to lose money, so they flock to areas that are safe. So um, going to be really interesting, a good test to see. You know, I think for the first time where we've had some really serious uncertainty other than COVID, right? And you saw people flock into to Bitcoin then afterwards. So it would be interesting to see if that happens again now. Yeah, it will be. And I believe we have a surprise coming in on the live stream very, very soon. So without further ado, we have the one, the only, the Archaean Bear himself. We're super excited to have you join our podcast today, man. How you doing? Hey, gents. Great to see you guys. It's a nice morning here in Costa Rica. Just finished a little bit of yoga. Nice. Looking forward to chatting. That's awesome. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. 
I've been watching a ton of your content this week, and it's I think we have very similar minds. Mario, Johnny, do you want to introduce yourself real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Arcane Bear, my name is Mario, and um, I'm part here with the crypto research team. And uh, thank you for accepting our invitation to come on the channel. It's a real pleasure. I've been watching your content for about a year now, and uh, I really love the way that you're just so calm. You pass on this message to all your community of like, you know, zoom out, stay calm, invest, and uh, just wait. Yeah, that huddle mind uh, mindset. I love it. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. A lot of study and failure to get to kind of a, a repeatable thesis, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, good morning, Arcane Bear. My name is Johnny Crypto. Uh, thank you for joining the show. We're happy to have you here. I've been in I've been myself into crypto for about a year, year and a half, so I'm still kind of new and learning it, but spending a ton of time researching and learning and following your content as well. So really appreciate all your help in learning the markets and uh, how to navigate them. So thank you for that. Looking forward to today. Awesome. Yeah, happy to share. It'll be fun to chat today, guys. Yes. So where do so we want to go? Right now we're talking about how, <laughs> how emotional stability is pretty much what we're focused on for the beginning. So there's so much fear in the market. We're looking at the news with Russia and Ukraine, and everyone's saying that all assets are basically collapsing for the short term. We know that you've been in Bitcoin since 2013, so you've pretty much experienced it all as far as, as, far as cryptocurrency is concerned. So what's your opinion on how things are right now, and does this feel similar to any previous time period you've been through? Um, you know, this is a, we're in unprecedented times. Uh, for instance, Canada's uh, locking and freezing of bank accounts through what appear to be nothing more than political dissidents is very frightening. Um, so this is what Bitcoin was designed for. Bitcoin is designed to censorship resistant, kind of choose your own money. And when I first started kind of really figuring it out, what what that meant was during the Cypritic crisis or when the Cypritic or the Cyprus banks started closing in and taking people's money. And, and I think people started to recognize, at least in the Mediterranean at that time, that banks can just close your accounts and take your money when, whenever they want. And so to see this happen in what's been deemed a first world, rather democratic country for a long time uh, is, is frightening, not just because of the money, but it, it means that we're we're just one step away from being under a dictatorship or a, a tyrant effectively um so we've just been through a very long cycle of accumulation between 2017 and 2020 bitcoin bounced around between let's say around three to fourteen thousand dollars hit that trading range a few times we have spent around two years accumulating there so we're right in the middle of a market cycle itself and right now in, in, when the market is in this area your risk to reward it's basically equal especially with something like bitcoin that's gone through so much dramatic upside already calculating in more dramatic upside is actually more difficult you know the riskier the asset the usually the higher the reward there is and as bitcoin has grown it's become less and less risky because it has more and more trust and understanding and more and more capital backing uh those large positions effectively so when we saw companies like tesla or MicroStrategies put bitcoin on their balance sheet um what was interesting about this is it represented large institutions who are not interested in selling and much more interested in a five to 10 year time horizon of how they look at investing. Whereas in the years between 2013 and 2017, there was there were smart investors there for sure, but there were no large institutions who were generating hundreds of millions of dollars in excess capital every month um, looking to find positions. So, yep. yeah. And if yeah. I could just chime in really quick, I remember back in 2017 when it was like JP Morgan, Bank of America, BlackRock, all these banks were coming out and saying that they didn't believe in cryptocurrency. They didn't believe in these things. And now this team last night, we were looking through Grayscale's investment trust. They have $25 billion worth of Bitcoin in that, publicly in that fund. You can just go and look at that. So the fact that these banks and institutions are now comfortable publicly doing this and giving their investors exposure to things like this makes me excited. In these short-term pullbacks, I don't get as nervous as I used to. Yeah, you know, one of the things we were always looking for was the on-ramp to mass adoption. And we a lot of people thought it was going to come from institutional regulation and the regulation around institutions. And uh, if you guys have been watching our channel, we've started to focus really heavily into the play-to-earn sector, uh, which is kind of against a lot of our general thesis, which have been more technical. We were interested in things like Solana and Avalanche really early on. But we had never found an easy on-ramp for the average individual. And one of the big selling features for Bitcoin for me 
when I when I first found it is that you didn't need a bank account, you didn't need identification to participate within the network, and that was such a that's still such a big deal. Like I don't think people generally recognize that until those freedoms of uh, monetary communication or peer to peer trade are, are are taken advantage of by by whether it's their governments or their banks effectively. So in, in high moments of fear, every asset is negatively correlated. I, I have the only assets that aren't would be like the VIX or something that has a positive correlation to increased anxiety or fear. And those are more like a, a hedge. I would, you wouldn't want to sit in a position like that for too long. But ultimately, every asset is negatively correlated with fear. When people are scared of anything, whether it's a fear, a fear of war or a fear of pandemic or fear of an asteroid, whatever it might be, they start to think much shorter term and the time horizons on their investments peak out within like a one to three month period. Whereas any good investment you should be looking at is a minimum five to 10 year time horizon, especially if you're looking for an exponential growth potential, right? Yeah. So in moments of fear, when people are running around trying to buy toilet paper or when there's a lot of uncertainty going on, this is the time to actually buy assets and accumulate assets. Now, we could make an argument of why pretty much every day is a good day to accumulate assets due to the fact that banks are constantly increasing um, the liquidity of the U.S. dollar or their local currencies, therefore inevitably creating inflation of some sort, usually hiding in assets, more expensive assets like the stock market or owning homes or nice cars effectively. They don't really drip down into standard consumer goods like it used to, like the, the Weimar Republic's inflation or even Venezuela from a, a standpoint, it's inflation. It's coming from the same idea, which is they're creating too much debt. And then from this, you get an inflation in the prices of, of assets, which have an underlying value, right? You, you'd said, you know, they, they believed that Bitcoin didn't have a value. And this is one of the abstractions around money that I think that's quite hard to grasp as well, is that technically all value is a, halluc a hallucination or kind of a perception of stability within a society. So it's really hard to value wow. what something is worth during like a uh, civil war effectively, right? Because yeah. our, our, first off, again, the time horizon of stability is, is, is truncated. So value itself is kind of a, a mostly perception. Like the reason why the US dollar has value is because of the perception. And, and, and Bitcoin largely operates this way as well. Yes, you need liquidity. Can I enter into an exit a position? And can I trade that position for one asset for another? And this is largely about peer to peer um, recognition. So peer-to-peer -peer, uh, value perception. If you yeah. and I agree on the perception of the value of this particular asset and we make a trade, it, it could be anything. I, I, kind of, I constantly use the idea of like dirty socks. It's like, well, I'm sure some guy on the internet's paying money for dirty socks somewhere. So we know that <laughs> Hope dirty not, socks... The sad truth is that that's probably happening. Oh, we know it's true. Yeah, we don't even have <laughs> yeah. to speculate. We know that that's a true statement. So <laughs> yeah. this this kind of age-old argument is like, well, what is money? It's, it's really decided between, between two peers in an individual trade and that's money at that particular sentiment now the well, i think a big mistake that people have made is conflating money and currency and, and okay. currency has been a constantly inflated process and there's actually even real arguments for why you would want to inflate a currency the more our population is growing new ideas are being invented new value is being cr created through those individuals and their ip so how do you keep the monetary velocity up with the amount of new wealth that's being generated now there so even though there's a good argument for inflation the real argument against is who's in control of that inflation the federal and, and, reserve right yeah, central banks exactly central so banks. whether yeah. whether it's the federal reserve for the u.s dollar or the the central bank of costa rica who's just printing the costa rican colones you know inflation is is much more noticeable if you're not in the united states so i've lived in costa rica since 2000 and and 12 basically and we've seen a 50 percent reduction in the purchasing power of wow. the local currency here since i moved here that's only eight year wow. period what wow. how much yeah. how much worse than 50 percent can it get versus the us yeah. dollar so oh. you know we have uh, we have a, a lot of drama taking place globally and and even though bitcoin is what i would consider a safe asset and again one of the things that we have to make an argument here is the value of perception so Okay, well, if I have an asset and I'm a Jewish person and during the Holocaust, I'm trying to escape. Well, what can't I bring with me? I can't bring my property. I could bring my business, my intellectual property, like I'm good at making shoes per se. Those can all travel with me. One of the really unique things about Bitcoin is you only need to be able to remember 24 words and you can travel across borders yep. with all of your capital. Um, that's a very powerful thing that I, I still don't think a lot of people have figured out yet. 
whatever the dollar value of Bitcoin is almost irrelevant when you look at that fundamental value. The fundamental value of the mobility of that asset is extremely high. It's probably much higher than what, where the price point is today. I suspect a fair value of Bitcoin based off its limited supply, its constant degradation of deflation through people just losing their access to their Bitcoin effectively. That Just that sole value proposition of, hey, I can remember my assets in my, my mind. I can travel anywhere and unlock those assets is a huge deal when capital is trying to flee unstable climates of political or banking effectively. And this is this is what we see. This has happened over and over and over again. The Ishmaeli Muslims were one of the most productive members of society in, in Uganda when Idi Amin started to lose his shit and started to basically kill everyone. But they went after the productive members of society first. Same thing happened in the Bolshevik revolutions. They went after the farmers, the business owners, like, oh, you're the 1% of the ownership of, of this country. And we're, you know, so we often see the first people to be targeted are those who were productive in society and those who were seen to have more, like they weren't sharing their farms or their their crops effectively. And a lot of those people fled. I mean, uh, in, in Canada, I met many um, like Ismaili Muslims when I was younger because they they'd, um, fled uh, for asylum in Canada during that time. And they again, these were the most productive members of society. And this is what we see happening again today. You see very productive members of society. Let's just focus on the crypto sector who are building with nascent technology that is extraordinarily high. Uh, amount of room for upside and they're being forced to find areas where their governments are less abusive or more friendly in terms of regulation so that there wow. is there is clear regulation like what can i do with my own money or my own assets and how am i being taxed you know there's these are really important questions and unless you start looking from a broader business perspective bitcoin its volatility and price movement could be deceiving Yes, because you can't measure the fundamental value of being able to walk across borders with assets until you're put into the position of realizing that that your government's stability and your ability to access the assets or the work or the, the businesses or the property that you've owned over years can just be taken away from you. And I think yep. Canada right now, what it's doing is, is really emphasizing that if if even if a democratic government doesn't like you at one point, they can just simply turn that switch and like, well, we're going to take your property. We're going to take your <clears> license. We're going to take your <laughs> we're going to freeze your bank accounts. Yeah, um, right. And, and that should send shockwaves through the, the financial banking system. But again, this is the problem is, is most people don't recognize that value until they need it. And it's, it's something like a, there's a quote of this about privacy, too. It's like, well, you don't really know how important those kind of values and fundamentals are until you're under the spotlight for being a, a, a supporter of the truck convoy. Like what? Yeah. How? So and it's fascinating now because with social media, it's so easily it's so easy to be correlated with a specific cause. But what's happening in Canada right now, I think it's actually building more and more awareness around the advantage of using cryptocurrency as a store of value as opposed to a traditional asset. Because like you're saying, I think they raised $9 million in a GoFundMe account for those convoys. And then they canceled that account. So they switched over to Bitcoin and they identified those wallets and were able to say, these wallets are not allowed to transact with large banks in our borders. How can people get around that? Is it only the transfer of value between individuals or will there be a way for us to go to an institution and trade our Bitcoin in for cash. Does that make sense? Well, uh, so this is this is one of the really interesting parts of, of the question of like who has the power, the government or the people? And and what you're alluding to is that the government has the power. And these are this is where we start to get into a really gray area. And and we're seeing something that is unprecedented in terms of like what would normally be called democracy. It's clear it's clearly not anymore. No. Someone has their finger on the buttons <clears throat> and, and, and you for there's very clear examples like October 15th is a very clear example where you had 15 to 20 different countries who are in no way related, do not speak the same language, don't have the same religions. They all decided to implement the same particular idea on that particular day. And, and this to me is a, um, ev evidence of a conspiracy. Now, that's the difficult part, right? As we start to get into some really gray area about who's got their finger on those buttons, who's making these ideas. But ultimately, it. it money and currency has always been a peer-to-peer -peer conversation the fact that we've allowed governments to intermediate it is just it's a it's a power of the people that they give away and it's not yeah. till we take those powers back that they're ultimately effective so there are many countries in the world where you could go buy a house or buy a car with bitcoin you don't need to go through the traditional banking system because you can find another peer who's willing to make that that trade with you, right? So a peer-to-peer -peer trading system that can't be censored still exists. It just means now you're limited to the on and off ramps of the the where the governments have have been able to take control. 
And yeah, it's a, it, this is the most worrying thing I've ever seen in my life. Like people who, who yeah. yep. un understate the, the problem that's going on right now, I just don't, don't do their homework into what's happened in the past. So although they can stop your on and off ramp, they can't stop a peer to peer trade agreement. Right. If so, I, what, what this looks like a few years from now is, is hard to say, like just from Canada, as an example, they've absolutely yes. destroyed any credibility as a sovereign nation and democracy, their banking system, everything will be under scrutinization by anyone who wants to work or do business there for decades to come. Yep. I, I think the reason why they're digging in so hard is because they either know they're criminals or they know they're going to be caught for something criminal because that's what criminals do. They like dig in two to three times harder or, or an animal that's backed up against a corner. They'll go yep. and, and fight till their last breath effectively. This is so I don't suspect it's going to get better sooner. It's probably going to continue yeah. to get worse and, and maybe in a few more countries. So this is a, a high time to think, think strategically. The Ishmaeli Muslims, the Jewish people, the smart ones just left all of their assets behind. They had no way to take large sums of asset with you but here again you can take your bitcoin with you you can go to a different <clears> country and if you can find a peer that's willing to trade with you a house or a car and you can start to set up shop now again i'm i'm we're off we're out of my like spectral field of normalcy because this political conversation is so um so dramatic like again what happened yes. in canada this last week is is unprecedented like history books will write about the insanity of what's happened for for decades to come because it's so far out of the normal like how we function as a, as a proper society so yeah because of that uncertainty you know any price point for for bitcoin i think is probably irrelevant once it come, once it gets to a full-blown scale event where you're like, I need this asset to leave the country and bring something with me, the, yep. it will be a price un, unacquirable effectively. No one will so be willing to sell it. What is a fundamental difference between Bitcoin and another type of cryptocurrency? Why do you think people should be using Bitcoin as a way to hedge against these governments as opposed to Ethereum or... Ooh, great question. Or ADA um, or other examples? I actually don't think it's important. Technically speaking... Okay. You know, we could get into arguments around the technicalities of each one of these um, yep. these ideas. But fundamentally, what really sold me on Bitcoin, even though there's technology behind it, it was the concept of free choice money or sovereign money. So we have a bear token that we put liquidity up for and we use it as a giveaway token. I actually have an easier time paying one of our South African employees with bear token than anything else because it's... Oh. They, they can't accept PayPal. There's no easy way for me to give them money. So I send them bear token. They can trade the bear token for USDC or Bitcoin or Ethereum, whatever they would like. Yep. So this kind of mutability or the, I guess in, in, in reality, the fungibility of the digital global currency movement is, is what's so exciting. It's not just that it's Bitcoin. Now, Bitcoin is the largest holder of liquidity. So the reason why we would argue for Bitcoin is because it has the most liquidity behind it. Therefore, it's likely the most secure in terms of like, I, I need to trade this for some other tangible asset, whether it's currency or a house, effectively, that kind of locked up market cap is a uh, is is a strong suit there's nothing bigger than bitcoin right now um so we again we could get in terms of like is ethereum more productive asset or avalanche um really i think all of them are a good choice because you can very easily lock it up in a, in a in a 24 words <laughs> whether it's on a metamask you can walk across the borders without them in, in, instantly knowing that you have like 10 pounds of gold on you or something yeah. um and it'd be very hard for them to extract that information other <clears throat> than through through torture effectively so, and I, although, again, when these governments start to slip down, it's like, well, fake. So I guess torture is not that far <laughs> away. Like it's so, yeah. Studying history, looking back when, when people start to flee the instability of governments and try to take their assets with them, this is one of the real strong suits about Bitcoin and almost every other cryptocurrency is that the, at this moment, you can still find places that you could go and use that as a, as a value transfer, as an asset, like trading it for a house or a property. Um, but how they crack down on it in the future, it seems to be um, uh, jurisdictionally like, oh, we can stop the banks from Canada from allowing your transactions effectively. So this is all jurisdictionally. It still doesn't mean that you can't go trade that Bitcoin to someone for a house in Canada. It's just that it means that they will then likely be flagged. And this is one of the conversations we looked at about like, are there flagged Bitcoins? Can they blacklist like Bitcoin chunks effectively? Um, 
at right. least to the on and off ramps in the banking system, that's true. But to a peer to peer transition transaction, that's that's not true. So ultimately, the whole strength I think of Bitcoin and ultimately is that peer to peer transaction, right? Obviously, being able to carry that value wherever you go. But the but what you're talking about that me and you can decide at any point to transfer Bitcoin and there's no institution or government that can interfere with that. That's the biggest advantage. And that's what gets me excited about finance. Well, is it though? I guess that's the question I wanted to ask you, Arcane. So think about this, right? When you think about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, we like to think of them as being decentralized, right? So that so that there's no real need for, as you mentioned, a bank to be in the middle of it. Yet you see what's happening in Canada is they've told the banks, you know, so when you try to come off that off ramp and to convert your Bitcoin into cash or something usable, you can't do it. Now, today, yes, there are decentralized wallets. But what's to say that governments don't get into these these um, decentralized wallets and start saying, hey, we need KYC for those, too. Once they start KYCing MetaMask and things like that, now what do we do? Right. So it feels like a slippery slope where, you know, people are talking about, well, it's only the truckers today. Yeah. So when you fight for freedom, you're now labeled a terrorist, which is <laughs> frightening. It should be absolutely frightening that we're living in a day and age where just for fighting for freedom. You're now labeled a terrorist and you can't even get your money. But what I'm curious about is, do you think they'll end up pushing KYC all the way down to all these DeFi wallets to the point where you're not going to be able to, this will no longer be a peer-to-peer -peer solution either. What's your thoughts? So uh, it seems to be that once governments and their people start to get this far separated from agreeing with one another that it becomes uh like a an the or ouroboros that snake that eats itself where effectively what you get is it's a self-destructive pathway a, a death spiral of like oh we're going to inflate because we need currency because we need military we need more regulations so there's less productive businesses and you see this kind of spiraling downwards of of countries or or cultures now I think one of the ways we could argue in positive for it is if you look at somewhere like Venezuela, where I, I believe the like the gold from the game League of Legends it has a more stable value and it maybe is more widely accepted than the, the Boulevard. Um, and we're seeing this with the Axie Smooth Love Potion that a lot of these local shops are willing to accept that Smooth Love Potion. And they're using that in, internally. We saw this with I mean, mobile minutes in, in Africa as well. The, if the people decide that they want to use a different money, that's that's their choice. And I think that largely you could obfuscate it a lot by doing that. You could step totally outside of the system. Like, yeah, we're only going to do this. But you'd need a lot of pressure. People changing their comfort zone is probably the most difficult aspect about that. So it's going to probably need to get a lot worse. But you do see that there are local grassroots movements for acceptance in, in countries like Venezuela or in the Philippines that do not have stable currencies or stable governments. Uh, and then the people just decide on their own what they would like to use. So, and they haven't been able to stop that. They, they can't stop that transaction. Um, so can, again, they can stop the on and off ramp, the, the, the traditional banking system, but not the peer to peer relationship of value. Like, again, if someone wanted to trade dirty socks for your pillow and you're like stoked about the trade you really wanted socks this is a horrible idea i'm sure but um <laughs> it peer-to-peer -peer trade is effectively where money is birthed from and it's a choice between both participants like what is is that store of value like what am i willing to accept in in terms of one asset for another right um so bitcoin largely holds so i think it holds so much value because it's never been hacked it's never been cracked there's been no downtime it's like a tractor. It just keeps doing the one thing that I want it to. Whereas with Ethereum or Avalanche or any number of other things, you actually have a lot more risk still. Bitcoin's kind of left its area of risk of the last few years. Now, it's still risky, but it's not anywhere near as uh, outlandish or risky when as when it was two or $300, like, oh, crazy internet money, right? Hmm. People are starting to recognize value is, is um, that's a age old quote too is like value is in the eye of the hodler you know where it comes from personal choice to some to some degree or another personal perception of what you find valuable in whether it's a property or a yacht or bitcoin um so it's a you know it's a really hard question i don't think there's any answers to the only real relevant function we have is what's happened in history in these moments and um we're headed toward or we are in with the largest debt sovereign and international debt crisis ever part of me really frequently questions okay is what we're witnessing 
more like the magician trying to be like, hey, look over here. Well, uh, the real magic trick is actually taking place in inside of the oh, sovereign. Just real crisis. quick, it's, it's awesome that you say that because Coach JV, who is the leader of this channel, he always says they're going to lead you this direction. We do the opposite. They're going to tell yeah. you to look left. We go right because that's just the name of the game, right? And nothing's different. It's like you're saying we've seen it before. Yeah, anyone they censor, you can probably make sure you can probably place a bet on them being pretty damn close to the truth. And and this is, yep. <laughs> I I never thought we'd see something like this in in my lifetime. I think a lot of us got comfortable with democracy or freedoms yep. and and constitutional rights being like, oh yes, the given like I have a sovereign passport. That's all up in the air right now. Um, I I don't again. The only way these have been solved in the past is usually through a bunch of bumpy, very disconnected years between their their governments and the societies you know I, mo I moved away from canada a bunch of years ago but under the same premise i was hyper interested in studying psychedelic mushrooms and they were like well you're a criminal i'm like for <laughs> plants so there's <laughs> this just doesn't make any sense to me so I, I left i left canada i went to countries that were more favorable uh in terms of like can i eat plants here legally like are these legal <laughs> plants you know and, and this is such a weird thing because ultimately if you're being a good investor um gives you the insight that you need to well you basically end up being a conspiracy theorist almost all if you're a good investor you basically look like a conspiracy theorist because you can tell what's going to be happening in the future to some degree or another and these things were not they they were they've been clear for a few years now that this has been a war on freedom uh, and a war on personal choice. It started with things like like plants, like oh, you can't take the mushrooms. It's like, well, why not? Well, because we said so. It's like, well, this doesn't. This is a. This, these are attacks on personal freedom, and it's been happening for longer than I've been alive. This is just a, like a boiling point, and it seems to be global. You know, there are a few countries that have put their hands up and like, you know, we're interested in freedom, like uh, El Salvador. Um, Costa Rica is actually even really good for up until October 15th, basically. Mexico is a really interesting kind of side study thesis. She's like, okay, well, if there's already a drug cartel in charge of the government, it's hard for another drug cartel to come in and take over. So, <laughs> wow. you know, what they've been wide open. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is under the quote, like the devil you know versus the devil you don't kind of, yeah. uh, kind of mentality. So a, a big part of my search right now has been where is the least abusive government? Yep. who provide the most freedoms and it's very difficult to tell right now I, this is why again i think like the fundamental value of something like bitcoin is is no matter what the price is at the fundamental value of a, of a of a mobile um memorable asset is is orders of magnitude higher than what the price is today yeah i think what, we'll end up there shocking, what i believe was shocking was that when we went through 2020 I think I viewed society through a certain lens that this is how things operate and this is how they've always operated. And when everything came to a halt, it really just, cause I wasn't, I wasn't aware enough in 2008 to really even understand what was happening. But as we went through 2020, I understood that people's perceptions are totally capable of changing drastically very quickly. Like just for example, when they were trying to flatten the curve for two weeks, here we are two years later, and we're still dealing with a lot of the same conversations that we began with. And that's why I don't think that what we perceive to be, money or reality or standards of living they're totally capable of being changed and we have to fight for these things yeah this is i i you know I, it to come to the conclusions that i've come to over the last year based off my research it's i, I never thought would be the case like um it it it's astounding it's astounding to me that that the most logical conclusion is actually a, a conspiracy I'm I don't know how many people it took to do this or to pull it off, but when you start to look and you do and you do the research, you're like, oh wow, this is this is exactly what a global conspiracy for a coup d'état against democracy would look like, and they're pulling very unique strings. Um, again, the, we have so much scientific data that says, oh, I put, if I put on a white lab coat and I tell you to do some shit, I can get you to do some like pretty horrific shit just because of the white lab coat. We've known this for decades. You know, yeah. we fall into the same human traps or the human human nature traps. And it's not just around people wearing white lab coats. It's any number of things like social proof is another one of these fascinating ideas where we can send 20 people through a line. We'll make the first like seven people part of the experiment. They'll lie, say one line is bigger than the other when they're clearly both the same size. And you can convince the next five to seven people afterwards to say that that it's longer, even yep. though it's clearly not um, just through social proof. So human consciousness and human perception around like what is credible is very easily manipulatable. And we have like 
stacks of evidence and, and data that, that prove this. So this looks like a, a, a very highly refined in, intelligence movement to try to take over the, the plebs of society and, and incorporate something that they think is for their own standard. Now, uh, you couldn't have convinced me that I would come to that conclusion in 2020, like that Bill Gates is somehow part of a conspiracy. I was like, no, nah, it's just a philanthropist. You know, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. And yeah, um, but then then you start to listen like, I heard him the other day say, uh, this is totally out of left field, uh, um, but I heard him the other day say like, oh, sadly, the Omicron variant has made uh, a better vaccine than we could, it, you know, inoculated everyone in basically in a month or two. And now they have what should be lifelong durable immunity. Who wow. says sadly to that, to this lesser disease that now that makes everybody feel better? <laughs> like, it's just, these are things not normal people should not be saying. And, and it's very, it, again, it's frightening, but I think that you know, to kind of probably bring it back home, yep. the only answer of solace that I found is really personal, personal work. I'm spent meditating, uh, yep. doing yoga. You know, we're we're going to be in this story, and this story is going to play out probably like a wave. And fighting the ocean is not smart, or like. Uh, yes. possible you can you can learn how to get underneath the wave you can learn how to like <laughs> you know but if you get if you get hit by some of these waves that are coming through it's going to take you out and so as a, as a surfer uh, i think one of the like the most important things to do is to be focused on on kind of like self-sovereignty you know we're, we i'm working on separate passports we're working on how to like where are you banking you know i had uh, all my i've severely worried about canada because i had a i have a canadian passport as well um, I'm not a Canadian citizen or a resident anymore, but nonetheless, like the, what's happening right now is uh, uh, unparalleled in terms of like causing fear. So the fact that Bitcoin's only down this much is actually amazing. You know, uh, it'll probably go lower. We could easily go down to, let's say, anywhere between fourteen to twenty thousand dollars, but it's not going to last. There are huge sums of money on the other side of this table that recognize the exact same thing. Well, what happens if the government says, "Well, we don't like you, and we're going to freeze all your accounts"? Can you take anything with you? Oh, Bitcoin, you can still move your Bitcoin around the world. And although they can stop you from moving through in, in, uh, inter, institutional banks, um, they can't stop you from leaving the country with that capital effectively. Yeah. Um, and, and I know and Mario a, a had a, um, I know Mario had a question. I just wanted to chime in really quick. When you think about Bitcoin and what's taken place over the past like two years, basically, and it's, I would say it's safely established itself as a hedge against inflation, but that seems to be in the, the biggest question right now with a lot of these mainstream news, they're, they're, reverting that claim and saying, oh, it's not a hedge against inflation. But when you look at when institutions are buying, right, whether it's MicroStrategies or Tesla, their lowest buy points are about $30,000. So when you say price points like 14 to 20K, which I do believe, how do you think institutions like Tesla and MicroStrategies are going to react to their portfolios being down? 80? Oh, they're going to buy. They're only going to buy. Yeah. The, when you have a long-term time horizon, you're generating hundreds of millions of dollars in cash and you know yep. that the cash is a liability like that. You're, you're not you're not interested in selling. If it goes down half price, great. We'll acquire more for the balance sheet. Um, effectively, I think that a lower price point wouldn't last very long just because of the massive amounts of capital. There's an infinite amount of U.S. dollars effectively is what they're, was what they're telling us, right? So institutions are not going to be wavered. They're, you know, from a good investment strategy, everybody should follow that effectively. Yes. Should follow. Uh, don't worry about price. The the entire reason for price volatility is to get rid of the average investor, and and go have a goal to towards a twenty year time horizon. There's some phenomenal books out there that talk about like what long term investments look like. Well, how do you turn ten grand into a million dollars, and how long does that take? And these investments have been around for hundreds of years where you can invest 10 grand and make a million. This is what, what the industry calls like a hundred beggar or a hundred X. Um, and those are the kind of the investments that you want, rather than can I make 10 grand, put it somewhere, wait three years and have it turn into a million dollars because it's effectively $333,000 a year of upside and you did nothing but be patient. And the market is designed to go against all of your human nature, which is in line with short-term thinking, emo emotional uh, randomness, like, oh, there's a pandemic, like, what should you do? Should you sell your Bitcoin at three grand? And and those are the moments when it's best to be buying. And it's really not until you probably get to internalize it. Like the pandemic was a huge lesson for me. This idea of like, oh, when there's blood in the streets, you should be buying assets. It's yes. a very literal sentiment. It's not like, oh, blood in the streets is about candles being red. No, like literally look for blood in the streets and then start buying if you have extra capital. Because that fear will dissipate and we'll go back to some level of stability. Um, and, and again, we're in a 
huge moment of fear right now. Uh, again, what Canada has done is un unprecedented. So Bitcoin has actually remained quite stable. I don't think using Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation is probably the right way to say it because inflation is the reason why Bitcoin is as high as it is today. Mm. So that's not a hedge against inflation. That's, a, that's a, like a, a byproduct of inflation effectively. Um, as they print more, more liquid debt or liquid capital, all markets go up. Um, we constantly share a chart of the S&P 500 and show the, the M2 monetary supply yes. and they're in lockstep. <laughs> they move together synonymously. So Bitcoin is not a hedge against inflation, I don't think. It's a hedge against tyranny. It's a hedge against censorship uh, in, in money. And, and more importantly, probably it's a hedge against not inflation. Someone actually said this quite nicely when we were on a call the other day. We were talking about play-to-earn mechanics for a video game, but inflation is a symptom of, of the debt creation, right? So in, inflation comes from the cre this massive creation of, of debt, more so than inflation is the, the root cause. Like inflation isn't the root cause. Like we don't print more capital and then inflation goes up. We print more capital and that capital wants to go somewhere, especially if it's in the hands of intelligent investors, because the intelligent investor knows that that cash is a liability. It's yep. not an asset. Yep. And again, I think this is due to the conflation of the, the term currency and money. The currency is like, hey, look, it's a hot potato. We're going to keep inflating it because there's more people, there's more businesses. So every year we're like, we're going to take 2% away from you. But over the course of 50 years, that's 100% of my purchasing power is totally gone. So why would I want to sit on cash? Even, even over the course of six years, well, that's, wow, that's 12%. Right, is a huge chunk of value that you're trying to offset. So this is just what they naturally tell us inflation is going to be going at. So, but again, inflation is a symptom of that that debt creation process. So even though Bitcoin, I don't think if, people call it a hedge against inflation. Really, what I think that they mean is a hedge against instability and a, a loss of trust and confidence in currency, because currencies have always failed. There's yeah. not a single currency in human history that has survived X amount of time because people have lost confidence in that stability of, of what's usually government or society. That's kind of like where that money conversation comes from, like uh, of, uh, the I, I forget what the Roman currency was called, um, the and, and the Denkar maybe. But anyways, the point of this is they started either. to <laughs> slow. They started to inflate their currency by decreasing the amount of, of silver that was in it. And then effectively, there was no silver left in it, and they were just printing pewter coins, uh, so anybody could make them. Um, and again, the, these are side effects of, of really an unstable society and, and broken social contract layers more than anything else. And I think that's, so these are symptoms. Bitcoin, again, just to kind of short answer, Bitcoin, I don't think is supposed to be a hedge against an inflation as it's supposed to be a hedge and, a, and of maintaining my physical property and ownership through traumatic governmental malfeasance. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Mario, did you have a question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I wanted to, I wanted to backtrack a little bit and um, so you mentioned that you're living in Costa Rica. Can you tell us a little bit of how that happened? How you, and, and we're just going to go away from crypto a little bit. I just we just uh, I'd like to give our viewers a little bit of about who Arcane Bear is. How did you get to Costa Rica and who is Arcane Bear, or how did Arcane uh, Bear came to be come to be? Yeah, uh, fun fun question. So I moved to Costa Rica. Um, actually, I started traveling down to Central America. Uh, okay, we'll rewind a little further. I was around. 17 years old when I dropped out of grade 10 due to my interest in psychedelic mushrooms. My thesis at that point was that most spiritual experience and do and dogma for that matter likely came from uh, whether endogenous or exogenous psychedelic hallucinations, <laughs> or I guess they're not even hallucination, but some type of psychedelic experience. Um, and then realizing very quickly that, like I said, I was deemed a criminal for those interests, which just seemed absurd to me. Uh, my first instinct was to leave. So I dropped out of school and I hitchhiked from Canada down to Central America. So I wow. put my I put my thumb out and I hitchhiked through the United wow. States, through Mexico, <laughs> into Guatemala and Belize. This was around 2006. Yeah, 2006, the, the album 10,000 Days by Tool had just come out since 2006. Um, and I spent approximately... Uh, to kind of two or three years traveling around Central America. I'd go back to Canada. I'd do about three months worth of tree planting and leave again um, after, with the money I'd saved. And I just started, to, I, I fell in love with the culture of, of this area and what I like to call affordable corruption. 
that it, you know, when you go to Mexico, you get pulled over, you're speeding. Oh, well, how can I give you 20 bucks? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Was, that's a load easier to deal with <laughs> than like a ticket. And I got to go to court and arbitrate or I got to point on right. my license or some shit. I actually liked the affordable corruption. If you live in a, in a society that's systemically corrupt, just maybe try to find places where the corruption you can actually pay for, right? This is kind of one of the awkward conversations that was, was difficult to maintain with a lot of people. It's like, well, look, I'm interested in psychedelic plants. So if I do them here, I'm a criminal. So where can I go do them where I'm not a criminal for my interests? You know, and this is, this is, society has a, a knack at doing this. We are always, we, we always try to bring out the pitchforks and, and, uh, uh, torches for people that are usually ahead of the curve just to some degree or another so um, now it's super cool like uh, mdma and psychedelic mushrooms are all the hot rage and they even uh, got it CEO in vegas startup now. culture oh yeah. yeah this it's all the so this is this is this is one of those aspects of kind of what helped me be a good investor as well so it was right early about finding the signal that mushrooms are awesome uh, and also capable enough to maintain my own interest while everybody not only was telling me I was wrong, but was telling me I was, I was a criminal. So like a complete out, out fringe of society, right? So to maintain your, your interest or your conviction or your commitment to an investment, even though everybody is telling you wrong, is probably one of the hardest things. So um, around 2011, I started my first business while I was living in Guatemala. We were doing really well. Um, and around that time, Bitcoin is around 90 bucks. And we, we bought our first Bitcoin to pay for servers because it was easier. Like, hey, we'll give you 50% off. And we were we were paying like yep. $600 a month in servers. So it's not a small deduction every month. You're like, okay, great, we can save money. So we were buying Bitcoin around 90 bucks to use uh, to pay for, for decreased prices and servers. I didn't really get it at that point. It took about a year later. I was living in Guatemala in like a tiny little town in Sununa in a place around Lake Atitlan. And I found it like a Bitcoin card. It was Bitcoin. It had the flower of life behind it. And it was talking huh. about um, non-governmental money, effectively, was, was one of the kind of easy ways to say it. And that's when I really started to get it. So, and that was actually also during the Sopritic crash. So as Bitcoin was on its way up to a thousand US dollars for the first time, that's when I really started to get it, figure it out. And this is probably where most people enter the market to is right near the top. <laughs> because yeah, the price right. and the value start to make sense to to the individual and also the reason why just a, a, a stable investment thesis is so powerful so i was living in guatemala i was kind of specializing in, in in business i moved to costa rica because it's really easy to own land here they have a lot of lax laws with crypto like i can go buy a car with usdc and it takes like five minutes or i go buy wow. a house uh, as long as they accept it at least so you have to find a buyer or a seller for any any peer-to-peer -peer contract but they didn't have any laws around using the currency it didn't have to touch a bank all you had to do is pay paper taxes for when you transfer the vehicle when you transfer the the, ho the home or whatever it might be um, so i ended up buying property in costa rica and i've been here basically ever <laughs> basically ever since so my my initial interest in, in costa rica came from a um, psychedelic plants are illegal here. Psychedelic mushrooms are illegal. Uh, you can technically grow ganja here up, upwards. I think it's four plants specifically, although I've never tested that. Um, and ayahuasca is actually quite predominant around here too as well. So I grow ayahuasca on my property. Um, wow. And those are the big selling features is that I, I had I developed a really deep relationship with nature. Um, and then that's kind of what brought me down here. It's just a place where I could maintain that relationship without being called a, a criminal. Effectively, that was like the main selling feature. Um, and then crypto and Arcane Bear kind of came right, or I guess like Arcane Bear as a crypto channel happened in around 2017. I started a Twitter account trying to trying to like talk shit about the finance world. And and if you go to actually if you look back on my YouTube channel, the second video I made with me and my long hair walking down the beach talking about how Bitcoin was going to go to six million dollars because they were going to inevitably just totally destroy currencies in the future, and there's nothing that we could do about it. So you might as well. Be, buy Bitcoin and Bitcoin is around $400 at that point. So I was definitely the crazy long haired person trying to tell people Bitcoin is going to go to $6 million and is at 200 bucks. I still stand by that thesis. I think it's going to, I think it could hit multiple millions of dollars per Bitcoin, but that was kind of the, the loose birth of arcane bear was this idea that, okay, from all the things I've learned through psychedelic plants, the communication of value is basically what money is. So why not start a channel where I'm just going to try to communicate whatever I think is valuable and, and lean into that. And we made videos around turmeric tea and meditation and ayahuasca. And everybody kept liking the crypto channel, the, or the crypto or the invest, investment thesis the most likely because there's the most upside. 
like I can talk all day about turmeric, but it's not going to make you any money necessarily. Right. <laughs> your heart, exactly. your heart might like you, and your 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 like inflammation will be stoked, but nothing else cares. And so, we started to lean into where we were getting the most signal for the communication of value, and then we just started to. This last two years has been solely focused on early venture investments, like trying to make make those really outlandish bets, like what seems almost criminal to make an investment in today, uh, or at least crazy. Uh, and then and make small investments there and, and wait it out. You know, it's one of the hardest things, again, was being right that early and then finding the strategy, which just basically says, look, ignore all of the price speculation and just keep buying the asset because this up a 10,000 or up a thousand or two thousand percent or what a 10 or 20 X down 80 percent is really designed to get rid of you. And if all I had done was only buy, I would have outperformed myself by orders of magnitude. And mm. this whole like buy low, sell high is a really easy sales. Like, hey, if you just buy here and you sold here, it's like nobody ever gets that right. Nobody like yeah. no. whereas if you focus on a consistent investment strategy, again, based off this idea that they're destroying currencies, everybody can be a successful investor. Basically, uh, I think Warren Buffett said it's, it's a way for an ordinary person to make extraordinary money. And it doesn't yeah. require you to be smarter or faster. It's just consistency. Like you don't go to the gym once and hope to get ripped. And I think this is what a lot of people get wrong. They look at investing like I'm going to go to the gym today and I want to make a 10x gain. It's like, no, you got to you got to show up all the time you got to put in a little bit of work all the time this is where those astronomical gains come into play i love how um, you I brought just, it in i was going to test for that <laughs> yeah no i was just going to say i love how you brought it into fitness because it's so true it's like if you're not yeah. consistent you're going to get frustrated but i want to tie it back to the personal development thing you talked about because that's what that's a lot of what we do at the 3t warrior academy we're focused on mindset first that way we don't get we don't get fluctuated by what's taking place in the market it doesn't sway our opinion on what's taking place we just stay consistent and it starts with the mindset and it starts from within what are the, some of the practices that you use to stay consistent with your mindset and not get pessimistic on the market? Oh, yeah. Well, more than the, being pessimistic on the market, it's just pessimistic around people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, I guess first off, I try to uh, now I try to focus on invest in areas that have a lot less contention, like which is one of the fun things about finding video games to try to invest in lately. Like I bought a PlayStation or playing video games. I'm like calling it research. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> um, I try to find like fun areas to, to entertain myself. Uh, I'm a huge fan of research. I spend a lot of time studying in the background, but um, in terms of keeping things stable and centered for the most valuable is, is, is meditation. Probably I'd put that right near the top, especially if you can find a group to meditate with. I know it sounds antithetical, but if you can sit down with a few other people, you're actually likely to go further every time you do it. Wow. Um, and then ice baths and ecstatic dances are two of my other favorite things. Uh, yes, so I'm a huge advocate of the ice bath. The ice bath is my yes. favorite. Yes. I love that. So if, if I were to have like a group of three, it would be ecstatic dances, ice baths, and, and meditation are like, keep me sane. And I That's could just, awesome. you could take everything away from me. And as long as I can still do that, I'm, I'm going to be a happy bear. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I find the same for me. I, I do cold showers daily and it's like, sometimes I'm not in the best of moods and I do a cold shower and I come out like a new person. But um, yes. I wanted to and just when you can get zero too. If you can get zero oh. temperature, it's next level. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Ice bats are amazing too. Yeah. I wanted to just do a, a follow up question. So, um, Abs mentioned that how we're a mindset first um, community and at Three T Warrior Academy. That's what that's what you're gonna what we focus on. So, what would you say is the mission behind Arcane Bear? What would you say is the oh, goal yeah. of Arcane mm. Bear? Yeah, we we cut it really short and simple. We just went with communicate value. That was our that was okay. our core mission statement. Um, I, I figured that practice of communication of value was was going to yield results effectively, just because you look at it like an uh, an electronic system, go store up all this value and then discharge it and, and share that 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 energy with people. Um, largely, I felt that we could replicate what we what I was studying in in the psychedelic world or the ceremonial setting and then take it to a, uh, a more public space and and focus that same kind of vibration of again kind of an a weird one but i studied music for most of my life go, uh, up into these business points um and far more people listen to me talk than have ever listened to me play music yet it's basically the same voice technically like now the music sounds way sexier than me talking but ultimately <laughs> <Debatable>. yes <laughs> well it's, it's also i think 
it was a it's a translation thing too. If if I'm communicating value and that value is hard for you to translate into something tangible, it's not as easily recognizable. Where if I'm like, okay, well, here's a consistent investment strategy that's going to yield 100x returns. If you just like if you put your fingers here, here, and here, it's like a, a technical strategy for success, right? So I I try to take a lot of the stuff I learned in in music and ceremony. Uh, and re reiterate and communicate that value for what people were interested in, which is largely how do I become financially free? Uh, I think that that financial freedom also was just a part of being a sovereign individual. It's like, well, how do I have more of my own time? Or what if I need a new passport? Or if I want to go, if I need to ditch this country and move to a different one? So we started to lean into the just communicate value within the venture capital sector. Um, so now we, I'm working on a thesis um, that's based around uh, a Chinese word called Wu Wei, or an Indian world word called Dan Dao, which is just that you don't need to work too hard for the results that you're looking for. You just need to, almost like the de the, the destination wants you to take the journey as much as you do kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because often I would find that I would try to overwork and have less results than had I just done nothing. Like is how do you make that one solid action effectively and then leave out all the other noise because that 80 percent of the noise doesn't produce is like maybe 10 percent of the results yep and there's that that so these are kind of power laws this is another great book that i'm reading it's called the power law um, but there's a lot of good books that go over this dan dow 100 beggars there's a bunch of different ways to look at look that's at similar the to the 80 20 well. law right yeah power laws in general which is okay like one percent of the world's population owns 99 percent of the wealth effectively it's not not just 80 20 it's any wow. uh, abstraction and distribution of uh, effectively it because most of the time you have abstractions and distribution through a bell curve like intelligence or how tall you are yeah. right so you can take away the tallest but like oh the seven foot basketball player you can take him out of the row but that bell curve is still the same whereas if we're all in a theater and jeff bezos leaves it's like well now everybody's poor in the theater effectively right <laughs> <laughs> that one person has such a, a fat tail distribution in term in terms of the 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 distribution effect um so yeah those are called those are called power laws uh and and they exist in in nature too it's the biggest stars gather the most mass right this the biggest trees get the most sunlight and the most nutrients it's not it's not an unnatural effect. It's a it's a difficult one for society to manage because it it means that there's a a portion of the population who always has a difficult time but and what, yeah, again, what we try to, I guess, get across is that communication of value. Um, that, that's our core mission statement. And then more and more recently, kind of the philosophy of how work is done or how much work one should be doing or where you work or this type of idea. Because so many times I tried to do more and then ended up losing instead of like just being patient with the few really good ideas I had already put into place. So type of focus as well. That's fascinating. Right. And just to bring it all together, I think that speaking to someone like you, clearly your depth of knowledge, it's like, it's off the charts, man. It's unbelievable. The way that you're able to go into these <laughs> topics and you stick with it. And I, I, I'm really, it's, it's amazing. It's been a great time talking to you. I want to give you a chance to plug all your channels and just let people know where they can find more of your content. Oh yeah. You can find just, if you type arcane bear anywhere in the internet, um, whether it's YouTube or Twitter, this is probably the main conversation points. You can also go to our website. We have a lot of documentation and kind of written versions of our thesis there as well, just arcanebear.com. Um, yeah, but YouTube's probably probably the best where I do the most talking. Or if you like uh, somewhat satirical things, I, I try to shit talk on Twitter a little bit here and there. Make, <laughs> make That's fun always of fun. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I, I've totally destroyed my Instagram and Facebook account by being uh, apolitical, so... I, try, I don't do that on Twitter or, or YouTube, but Facebook and Instagram are totally, I've wrecked them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, so just to tie it all together, I just want to say thank you. This has been amazing. I'm not sure if Johnny or Mario has any closing questions for you. Anything? Uh, no, um, I think, I, uh, yeah. Go on, Johnny. I just got one, Arcanes. You talked about kind of sovereignty and you're looking for areas or countries where they are. You know more freer than we are today you, you mentioned i was costa rica are there any other countries you're looking at as well or, or is costa rica seem to be the one for you mm, no costa rica actually has lost my favor as of october 15th because it's very clear that they're under the same political coup d'etat uh that others are under on Oct everything was amazing here up until october 15th we had no pcr tests we had no quarantine no no and then all of a sudden october 15th they're like vaccine qr codes for everybody to enter every store you're like well what like this wow. is um and multiple countries did that all on october 15th so they're under the same pol uh, political or monetary pressure 
uh, as a bunch of other countries. Mexico looks awesome. Again, I made the argument for already knowing which drug cartel manages your government. Yeah. <laughs> Just as long as you don't sell cocaine or weed, I guess you're probably fine in Mexico. <laughs> El Salvador has been really interesting. Naive uh, Bukele. Now, again, it's it, it's one one devil for another. How governments work effectively. Uruguay or is it Par Uruguay or Paraguay? Both look interesting. Um, uh, the Dominican, there's a few countries that have stayed open this whole, whole entire time, Dominican Republic, Costa Rica. Um, but again, there's just Costa Rica has, on October 15th really showed their hand for who, who mm. they, who's bidding that they do. It's not the people's anymore. And that's, that's always a disturbing characteristic. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm, there mm. are definitely more favorable jurisdictions, especially in terms of like business or taxes. Uh, but the most freedom right now actually seems to be coming from countries like El Salvador and Mexico, which is totally counterintuitive. Shocking. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. But that's good to know. People are looking for where where can they go? And it's funny. I keep hearing Mexico popping up more and more. So that's very interesting. Well, Mexico will give you 180 days right out the gate, too. Like you can land and stay for six months. And all you got to do is like you could literally go from Mexico uh, down into like Guatemala for the day. Is it Guatemala right next door to it or Belize? I think it's Guatemala's right next door to it. So you could go from Mexico to Guatemala back into, into Mexico and then stay uh, the entire year and only leave for th like 24 hours. If that, I think <laughs> yeah, at the Guatemalan border, you nice. could probably, I don't suggest anyone doing anything illegal, but you can probably just pay for someone to like stamp your passport and not even have to go across. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is one of the, this is one of the weirdest parts about that. I found that moving here is that if, if we are dealing with a systemically corrupt government globally, affordable corruption is a, is a great, is a great feature. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> We're going to add that to the vocabulary, affordable corruption. I'm going to add that to the criteria <laughs> list. I love yeah. that. That's, That's a fascinating a way, to way to end it. It really is. I, I just want to say thank you again. Super grateful that you came onto our podcast. This has been awesome. Mario's the one who brought you in. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to put him on the spot and just let him close it out here. If he has any closing remarks and then we'll just take it home. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure having you on Arcane Bear. Um, thank you for sharing your insight with our community. Thank you for sharing your opinions on where you see crypto. Essentially, we are a crypto channel. So we wanted yeah. to just focus on crypto first. But being that the 3T Warrior Academy is a mindset first uh, company and we're trying to provide freedom to everybody. I know that you align a lot with what we're doing. So I just wanted to share that uh, with everybody. So yeah, thank you for coming. We hope to have you again one day in the future. Yes, and, we would um, love to collaborate yeah. again. And it's like we always say, Mario, Warriors, rise. rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you. Thank you, RKM Bear. It's been awesome. Awesome. A pleasure chatting, gentlemen. I look forward to the next one. We'll speak again awesome. soon.